now that like you know that that's possible, we can just like slam the door on you. Just like I'm leaving. Ah. So did those guys really name their app after a meme? Huh? Buckle up, fellow kids. It's time for Founder Quest. Josh is not with us this week, and I'm I'm not actually sure. Do we know what Josh is doing, or is he just out? He's just out gallivanting, I suppose. We don't really. It's know all right. Doing. We we. We respect people's privacy. <laughs> I'm here at Honey Badger Industries LLC. And yeah, so Ben and I are just going to do a little fireside chat episode. That's when um, there's only two of us around. We're only like, we, we just sort of chat about whatever is going on and on our mind. And this week, that is a sales tax. It's a super fun topic. Yes. So is it okay if I set the stage a little bit? Please. Okay. So being an internet company, specifically being a software as a service company, Honey Badger um, Industries, doesn't usually have to worry that much about sales tax. We are located in Washington state, which is actually one of the you know, only places that sort of historically has had a sales tax on software as a service or services in general, I guess. It's really not that been that big of a deal, but some things have changed sort of. It, I don't know. I just feel like the party is in, is coming to an end on the internet. Like we had all these great times and then now like the government's are coming in, the party's over and you know, everything's owned by Google. And now we're just having to sort of like keep up a little bit. So, so what's been going on with the sales tax, Ben? So you mentioned that we're in Washington and that they do charge sales tax. So we do pay a sales tax and our, our accountant handles that for us, figuring out what that number is. We don't actually charge sales tax to our customers, though. We just decided early on that we would just eat that cost. And so we, we, we charge the same amount to all our customers everywhere. But recently, the changes you alluded to include a, a Supreme Court decision. So this is in 2018, Wayfair and South Dakota. So the state of South Dakota sued Wayfair because uh, Wayfair wasn't paying sales taxes in South Dakota. And uh, the Supreme Court overturned previous rulings, which said that basically, if you, were a, if you didn't have nexus in a state, you didn't have to pay a sales tax in that state. So nexus being some sort of location, like a headquarters or an employee in that state. So you know, Wayfair is arguing, well, we don't have nexus in South Dakota. We don't have our offices there, so we don't have to pay sales tax there. But the Supreme Court decided that South Dakota had a point and that Wayfair should actually pay sales tax in South Dakota. And so that kind of changed everything for everyone who sells across state lines in the United States. That was kind of a big deal. It kind of felt like a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. Uh, I felt some, some tingles happening. So, you know, we're a tiny company. We're five people and we possibly soon to be six, but you didn't hear that here. Possibly. And yeah, and we're developers and we don't really have people on staff whose job it is to worry about sales tax and stuff like that. So for me, hearing that, okay, suddenly internet people are going to have to pay sales tax sort of injected this like bit of uncertainty into my life where it's like, I don't really know what we're supposed to do. And I emailed um, our accountant, which is what you do, you know, when you get anxious about sales stuff or tax stuff. I, I do this all the time, like I, mostly with my personal accountant, but um, sometimes with any Badger accountant. And so I was like, okay, what's this? Please, I'm anxious. Please soothe me. This is like the new law, right? Everybody's got to pay sales tax. So it's law. So it has to be like really, there's just like an obvious way to do it. And she's like, oh, actually right now, nobody really knows how to do that. 
all the the regulations are kind of up in the air. Every state is doing it differently and all that. And this was like a year maybe ago. I, I don't know, six months to a year ago. And so I was just wondering, like, do you know if that's still the case? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, this happened in the summer of 2018 and we basically ignored it for a while, like most small companies did, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, we started looking into it and there was some, some vagaries, some confusion. And when the new year rolled around, 2020 started, we started to look at this again because our accountant's like, oh, you should probably pay attention to this. And so I did a little bit of digging. And to answer your question, uh, yeah, there's still a lot of ambiguity about going, what's going on, but it has settled down a little bit. There's some rough guidelines you can use now to know whether you should really uh, worry about this. And I uh, have to give props to Avalara. They are a company that sells uh, software that helps you manage <laughs> sales tax uh, reporting and remittance. I chatted with them to find out, hey, what do we need to do? And do we need to be concerned about this? And uh, their people were very helpful in, in getting started. You know, you know, they have all those uh, software as a service companies out there that don't have pricing on their site. And you're like, oh, that's so terrible, right? You know, because just give me the price, man. And uh, <laughs> And Navalar is one of those where they don't have pricing on their sites, like contact us. It's like, oh, all right, fine. Well, yeah, of course, because like, what's your other option? <laughs> like hire your own like staff of lawyers or I don't know. I didn't actually know as a product. Like I assumed it was just a consulting company since you sort of got this information from them. So I assume that they were consulting. Well, yeah, I don't know. Something. Maybe they do some consulting as well, but they, they definitely have some software in the mix. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a hybrid, but they were helpful. They were actually helpful <laughs> talking to them even though they don't have pricing on their site. So it was great to do that. And we walked through our numbers. So what I did was, what we do every year is we put together a report for our accountant on the, the sales that we've done through Stripe. And so we find out you know, which states we've actually sold things in. And uh, we've done this every year because, well, Washington, as you said, charges sales tax. And so we have to figure out every sale that we make in the state of Washington we then you know, determine what zip codes those sales are in, and we can report that to our state authority to get our taxes paid. So I just uh, you know, increased the scope of that a little bit. I uh, took our same Stripe export for the entire year, and I did a pivot table based on the, the transactions, and I you know, grouped it by state, and I uh, summed up the amounts, and I summed up the number of transactions just to see how much we do per state. And I walked through that list with the, the Avalar guy on the phone and basically found out that we're doing okay. Like we do have some significant uh, states like New York and California. We have a lot of transactions in those states, uh, but we're not at a point where we, are, we have reached the threshold for any of those states where we actually have to pay sales taxes based on the current laws. So the way, the way that it works is each state has their own rules. Typically, there's some sort of threshold, a minimum threshold that you have to meet in order to have an obligation to pay sales tax in that state. Let's say the state of Alabama it might have a threshold of $100,000. If you've done $100,000 of sales in their state for the year, then, then you're on the hook. Or it might be a number of transactions. Let's say state of Alabama, maybe it's 200 transactions. If you sold like 200 items in their state for the year, then you're on the hook. You got to pay them some sales tax. So fortunately, running the numbers for us, I determined that we don't meet any of those thresholds for any of those states. So that was really nice. Yay. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that horn around. So, I mean, I think the real lesson here is that pivot tables have come to the rescue again. Amen. I love pivot tables. I know pivot tables are amazing. 
like that was a total level up of my life when I learned how to do pivot tables. Yeah. I know you really like pivot tables, so I just wanted to give you a chance to like, <laughs> talk about it. Thanks, <laughs> how much my, you like them. Get my brag on. Yeah, I got your back. Yeah, so we don't meet any of these thresholds. I see that there's this, that we have a link to a blog post in our notes for the, the show. Should we? Um... Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to put that in the show notes. So that's, that's a link to Avalara, and they actually have a page that kind of gives you the, the brief rundown on what this is all about. And they show you what those thresholds are per state. So both the dollar amounts and the transactions. And uh, one thing that uh, the guy I was chatting with on the phone pointed out, he's like, in the, in the case of SaaS, there are two things you really need to be interested in. One is, it's not just customers, it's actually number of transactions, right? So if you're billing monthly, like most of us are, then you have 12 transactions per customer per year, right? So that can, that can get, you can get up to that 200 transactions number pretty easily that way. That doesn't, right? I just want to say that doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> well, we get that. I guess the other side of that is a number of states don't charge sales tax for software delivered as a service. So even though they might have dollar minimums and transaction minimums, we still get off the hook because we're a SaaS. So that's nice. Oh, not, that's good. Yeah. Not, not every state, but, but many states, they will not charge. They will not require you to pay sales tax on SaaS. Can I just say that I'm still a little bit miffed that in the new tax laws that they passed, like the new federal tax laws that they passed a couple of years ago, that they got rid of all these exemptions or like loop, not loopholes, but sort of like, I don't know, what's it called when it's like the, the, the government's like, we like, we like farmers. So you're a farmer. So you get this tax. Yeah. I don't know. Exemptions. Yeah. Deduction, exemption, yeah, whatever. Deduction. Yeah. So yeah. So we technically classified as a manufacturer, we're te technically classified as a manufacturer. And I uh, learned about this from Ian Lansman on his podcast because he mentioned it. And so I, I sent that to our accountant and I was like, are we a manufacturer? And she's like, yes. For many years, we were classified as a manufacturer and we got a tax break for it and we lost that. And I don't really care about the money. I just wish that we were technically still a manufacturer, but then we might get charged sales tax. That's true. Or if we were a services firm, if we had any services on top of our SaaS, some states split that out. And so they will charge you sales tax or require you to charge sales tax for services rendered, but not SaaS. So and I know oh, there's really? some, some out there that are kind of a hybrid, but we're not like that. We don't, we don't do services here at Honey Badger. We shouldn't tell them what the last word in the acronym SaaS means. Because <laughs> um, that would be bad. So it was an interesting little discovery. It's been a fun kind of voyage. Like, you know, again, it was one of those things where we just ignored and hope it would go away. It's not going away. But uh, for many of us that don't have, you know, obscene levels of uh, transactions, I mean, Honeybadger is a pretty good business. We're making good money. And, and even still, we're below thresholds on, in many cases because, well, we don't have a lot of customers in any given state, right? They're spread out all over the place. So that's nice. Yeah, we got to work this spread. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that we're not yeah, that we don't have to like hire a new developer just to figure out all the ramifications for sales tax and we can keep passing along the savings to our beautiful customers. Indeed. Well, should we wrap this up? Is there anything else we want to cover? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, it's been great talking with you about sales tax. I have been so excited about this all week to get to talk <laughs> about sales tax, one of my favorite topics. You know, actually, that's, that's, oh, wait, no. 
I was going to make a joke about how Josh lives in Portland and they don't have sales tax there. So that's why he's not here. But then I realized he doesn't actually live in Portland. So he just does he all the shopping of, in Portland because he lives in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He lives in like, yeah, the Washington side of the border. So I don't know. Funny story, though, that, that reminds me, as I was reading up on some of this stuff, uh, the state of New Hampshire does not charge sales tax like the yeah, state of Oregon. Die. That's right. them, right? Okay. And uh, yeah, so uh, they get very agitated when the states nearby them get all upset when their residents, like the state of Massachusetts, for example, gets kind of upset and cranky with New Hampshire because all their residents, you know, cross over the border and go buy stuff in New Hampshire and avoid the whole sales tax thing. At one point, the New Hampshire even like detained some sales tax collectors from Massachusetts who were in New Hampshire trying to scope out Massachusetts residents who were avoiding, you know, buying stuff at the store, right? That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. So in this, in this scenario, the internet's sort of like in the 51st state. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's like all the other states are getting uh, upset that the internet's getting all this money and not paying their, their taxes to those states. And so I think it's safe to say, safe to say that like the state of the internet is, it's just all on fire. <laughs> well, you know what they say, this is fine. If everything's fine. <laughs> That's a great note to end the show on, Ben. <laughs> if you would like to write for us at Honey Badger, we hire writers for our blog. If you're interested in like writing about Ruby and Elixir stuff, uh, we have lots of writers for all the other topics. So we're looking for specifically Ruby and Elixir right now. And if you want to give us a good review on any of your fine podcasts, whatever you get a podcast from, I don't know, I'm 80 years old. Uh, just please do that because we would love to see it. And until then, I'll see you later, Ben. And this has been Founder Quest. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.